Thank you for joining us for another episode of CF on Cyber, the podcast for executives who want to cyberproof their businesses. Today, we're going to discuss cyber and privacy due diligence best practices for private equity investors, what they should look for, where to look for it, and what can go wrong if cyber due diligence fails. We're going to hear from Jack Clabby and Joe Swanson. Jack and Joe are attorneys in Carlton Fields' Tampa office. They are both former criminal assistant U.S. attorneys and computer hacking and intellectual property prosecutors. Now they represent companies, executives, and directors in investigating data loss events. They also handle securities and corporate governance litigation, as well as white-collar criminal matters. Now, I'll turn it over to Jack and Joe. This is Jack Clabby from Carlton Fields, and thank you for joining us on CF on Cyber. Uh, We're here today because we've had, in the last six months, a couple of engagements with private equity firms and a lot of conversations about the role that cybersecurity has when private equity and other pooled capital is thinking about making an investment uh, in a company. And we're, Joe Swanson, uh, the practice group leader here, uh, is here to talk about this because he's had these engagements and his perspective hopefully will be instructive both for private equity firms that are making investments where cybersecurity is important, but also for those companies that are getting their cybersecurity readiness in place for a potential investment. Thanks so much, Joe. Thank you, Jack. All right, Joe, to get us started here, why is due diligence into the cybersecurity practices of a target company so important. Thanks, Jack. I, I think a, a recent example, um, sort of ripped from the headlines, really underscores the importance, and that's the Marriott Starwood. Uh, now, it was it was an acquisition, not a private equity investment, but it proves the point about the importance of cybersecurity due diligence. And, and we'll get into it in a bit more detail later on. But as I think most listeners are aware, uh, Marriott acquired Starwood, uh, and unbeknownst to them, because their due, due diligence did not pick it up. Starwood had experienced a significant data breach, and that became Marriott's problem upon closing um, that transaction. And so, you know, I think there's a, a realization, certainly in the private equity world, uh, that uh, potential investment targets, um, this is this, their cybersecurity and privacy posture, uh, have a significant impact on the success uh, of the investment. And you know, these are these are increasingly issues of importance to all companies, regardless of industry. I mean, some of the industries in particular where we've seen action, I know, uh, are when there's specialized data uh, that's a part of the business model of the target company. It might mean it's an online business model uh, as well, where there's an operations component that has to stay working. And when the connections fall, there's some serious problems and exposure. Um, software as a service company is one example. A cloud provider is another. And then the type of companies that hold this data, right? Think about a hospital group that has HIPAA data or an online retailer accepting credit card payments has to comply with PCI. Joe, when a lawyer like yourself gets involved in aspects of private equity investment due diligence, what does that engagement look like? Sure, so it typically would begin uh, with a call between uh, the firm and the private equity client to understand where they are in their due diligence process. How big is the investment? Um, how big are is is that firm's stake relative to other investors in that round, and how aggressive does the client want to be in terms of um, 
uh, asking about and following up on these issues. After that scoping call, uh, uh, Carlton Fields would prepare a set of written due diligence questions focused on privacy and cybersecurity that would be designed to elicit both written answers as well as uh, the target company providing documents that could be reviewed that are relevant to this topic. And when you're providing those list of questions or those lists of information requests, what are you looking for um, both with those questions and what are you looking for um, in the materials that get returned? Sure. So on the security side, you're going to be asking for and looking for any documentation related to any data breaches or even incidents short of a, short of a data breach. Uh, one, how many has the organization had? And if they have had them, how did they respond? Were they diligent about it? If it exposed certain flaws in their infrastructure, did they address those? Um, all of that would be of great interest in, in doing the due diligence. Also on the security side, you're going to want to see what kind of policies and procedures the target has in place. And most notably, do they have an incident response guide, which is the playbook that the organization is going to use uh, if they detect um, any type of a, a data security incident, how they respond to it. That's going to be spelled out in the incident response guide. And whether there is a guide and it has been practiced and socialized within the organization ought to be of great importance to the private equity firm before they make their investment. The other big item you're going to look into on the security side is whether um, the target uh, organization uh, has to comply with any industry standards. You talked about PCI a few minutes ago, Jack. Another one would be the CIS framework. Um, do they adhere to any of those compliance frameworks? And, and if so, um, how diligent are they in tracking their efforts? So, Joe, that's security posture, but um, what are you looking for for privacy? Sure. So privacy is increasingly important uh, with the European Union's uh, GDPR and now with California's Privacy Act set to take effect. Um, there you're looking for, is this an organization, the target, uh, is it an organization that collects uh, consumer data? Does it process that data? Where does it hold that data? How safe does it maintain that data? And if uh, a data subject uh, or an individual, an employee, a consumer were to ask that organization for a copy of their data, uh, how easily could that organization comply with such a request? My guess is that we know from talking to a lot of companies that are subject to California's new data privacy statute that, you know, if those companies were going through uh, a potential strategic investment, they would have some challenges, perhaps proving that they were compliant, right? I mean, this CCPA is significant. I mean, it's going live January 1st. Um, it provides a private right of action. So, you know, the plaintiff's bar is out there looking at different companies. And, you know, what you don't want to do is find it and have a private equity firm make an investment, put some people on the board, and then suddenly they've inherited a new lawsuit under this CCPA. Um, I mean, does that bring up cyber insurance? I mean, something like that, right, that might cover a lawsuit uh, related from it. Is that something you look to, too? Absolutely. You know, we, as part of the due diligence, you're going to ask whether the um, target has cyber insurance. And if they do, uh, what did the application look like? What kinds of representations were made to the carrier or to the broker? Um, that's going to answer some of your questions on the security side. And then you're just going to want to have a sense for how much coverage is there and what types of things does it protect against. So if you're looking at security posture, you're looking at privacy, you're looking at cyber insurance, what does your assessment look like with respect to the actual people who are involved? Yeah, no, and, and, and it's important um, not to overlook uh, you know, the, the 
key role that that the personnel are going to play within the target. And so you're going to want to get a sense for um, the security team. Uh, how experienced are they? Uh, and, and who do they report to within the organization? Do they have autonomy within the organization? Do they report to uh, IT um, that can be that can present some challenges? Or do they have greater independence and, and report up uh, to the C-suite and, and make regular uh, updates to the board? Those are things that you're going to want to get a sense from and you may not really have a feel for until you speak with some of these people directly on the phone or in person. The other thing you're going to want to uh, get a sense for both in the written materials as well as, as in any follow-up calls, is what kind of attention does the board uh, uh, pay to cybersecurity and privacy? And you can get a sense for this by asking for the minutes, by looking at presentations that have been made to the board uh, that have to do with cybersecurity and privacy, and also just asking about the cyber expertise of the directors. So in this life cycle engagement, you've asked some questions and uh, sought some information. You've now seen the documents and seen maybe some, some Q&A or some written Q&A back on the, on the posture and the privacy, the insurance and the people, uh, what happens next? The next thing would be to uh, have a call with the private equity client to share your feedback and impressions offline, you know, with, outside the presence of the, of the target. Then you're going to have that due diligence call with the target and preferably with their security team and others. Um, whose, whose discussion is going to be um, germane to your assessment. So what is, I mean, Joe, what is that like, right? I mean, because here you have the lawyer who's brought in specifically to help with cyber due diligence talking directly to the target company or the, the person who's going to receive the investment. Yeah, you know, it, it's going to vary case by case, Jack, and much of it is going to be driven by the relationship that the private equity client has with the, with the potential target. And they will, in all likelihood, have spent a considerable amount of time with each other before you've gotten involved. So you follow their lead a bit, but by and large, it's going to be a, a cooperative tone on that phone call. You've got a target company that's interested in, in closing this investment. You've got a private equity client that's interested in, in trying to move things along. Uh, but that said, you have to be mindful uh, particularly as you ask, you know, questions about any breaches they may have had that, you know, if, if you're talking to people on the security side who may have been present for some of these incidents, you need to be uh, thoughtful about how you approach that with them so as to, you know, have a constructive uh, but, but collaborative conversation. So after that due diligence call, you're going to have a, another debriefing with your client, share your impressions afterwards. And then this will depend on, on what the private equity client wants, but they may very well ask for some type of short memo that just documents the work you've done, um, the impressions that, that you have uh, from having done this due diligence, and then also including maybe a list of seven or eight items for the private equity firm to keep an eye on uh, as they move forward with the investment, particularly if they're going to have a board seat or multiple board seats. Uh, they, they tend to be very receptive to getting you know, a punch list of items for, for them to keep an eye on now that they're going to be playing an active role in the company. So that can be a punch list. Is it sometimes a memo? Maybe yeah, you write it out. sure, sure. A, a written memo or, or just an oral download. It, it's, it's whatever the client uh, may want. And you've got a privilege attached to that, at least at that point. You do. You got. You know, it's important to be thoughtful there, uh, as a law firm working with your private equity client about. You know, you're sharing your um, mental impressions. It's attorney-client privilege. Um, you know, 
the 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 target may have an interest in getting feedback uh, from uh, either the law firm or from their their private equity partner, and that can be fine as long as uh, all the parties are thoughtful about the way in which that feedback is conveyed uh, and mindful that you know whenever uh, attorney-client information is shared with third parties, there's always the risk that there'll be a, a waiver of attorney-client privilege. Right, and you know my understanding is you do these things for a reason, right? These due diligence. Um, investigations or reviews. And sometimes you find things and they can be worked through and, and sometimes you don't find anything or sometimes you find things and you can't move forward. But I mean, what is the risk if you don't do this? The risk is, you know, we come back to that Starwood Marriott example we had at the beginning. And I think, you know, quite simply, um, the buyer may be buying or investing in a data breach. Uh, you know, that, that was a high profile case. Uh, and just a couple of weeks ago, the uh, privacy watchdog in the United Kingdom fined Marriott almost 100 million pounds, which is um, over $100 million U.S. Uh, for, um, for this incident. And, and the fact that they acquired Starwood and in so doing acquired a data breach that Starwood had experienced for, for many, many years. And, um, you know, I think it was, it was pretty instructive. The information commissioner in the U.K. Uh, said, you know, the GDPR makes it clear that organizations must be accountable for the personal data they hold. This can include carrying out proper due diligence when making a corporate acquisition and putting in place proper accountability measures to assess not only what personal data has been acquired, but also how it is protected. I mean, that quote really embodies uh, why, uh, why this is such an important area. All right, Joe. So what are the key takeaways for uh, private equity decision makers from this? Sure. Well, I, I think it's, it's evident from this discussion and from that quote that cyber and, and privacy due diligence is, is essential to uh, a private equity firm's overall due diligence uh, before they make an investment. Um, <clears throat> the law firm that is retained to conduct that privacy or cybersecurity due diligence can work alongside another due diligence uh, team, uh, other advisors who've been brought in to conduct uh, what we might call more traditional due diligence. Uh, we've we've certainly partnered with other law firms before that may lack the requisite cyber and privacy expertise, and we can work hand in hand uh, with them. And then ultimately, it's about providing value to the private equity client. Identify strengths and weaknesses. Um, the weaknesses are important if this investment is going to proceed because the client is going to need to keep an eye on those, particularly if they are gaining board seats. That may become a fiduciary duty uh, issue for them in the future. Uh, and then, you know, finally, the value uh, ultimately uh, of the investment is is more likely to increase uh, if they don't have cybersecurity and privacy concerns or if they do, that they've been documented and addressed. And the final uh, item I would just share is that you know, it depends on the engagement. It's it's highly uh, fact specific, but there may also be different ways for the law firm to structure the engagement with the private equity client, whether that is some sort of a flat fee or alternative fee uh, engagement, depending on the circumstances. All right. Thank you, Joe. And, and that was uh, Joe Swanson from Carlton Fields, the uh, practice group leader for the cybersecurity and privacy practice group here at the firm. And this is Jack Clabby. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Carlton Fields' podcast series with Jack Clabby and Joe Swanson. To learn more about our cybersecurity and data privacy practice, visit carltonfields.com. This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields. Thanks for listening. Thank you.